Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hey, good morning, everybody. Keith Herbert here, broadcasting live from Business Radio X studios here in Pensacola, and I am proud to bring you episode two of Pure H2O with your host, Lori Murphy, brought to you by... <sighs> I love the. I love what your company does. So the, the uh, Emerald Coast Waterkeepers, and uh, you're gonna got a pretty good show lined up for you today, don't you? Yes, Keith. We have uh, cool. some great guests today. And good morning. My name is Laurie Murphy. I'm the executive director of Emerald Coast Keeper, and I'm your local waterkeeper. Uh, just as a reminder, every Wednesday at 9 a.m., we'll be live broadcast to podcast talking about some of the most interesting, controversial subjects directly or indirectly related to the environment. For a schedule of our topics and guests, you can go to my website at www.emeraldcoastkeeper.org and all of my social media platforms to find out more information on our guests and future shows. And thank you for tuning in. Today, the topic of our discussion is going to be clean energy, specifically solar power. And I have some great guests with me this morning. Uh, we have Christian Wagley, Executive Director of 350 Pensacola. Good morning. Good morning, Laura. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. And uh, can't wait to hear a little bit about what you have to say. And we have Dan Gardner, who's the Vice President of Business Development for Compass Solar Energy. Good Welcome. morning, Laura. Thank you. Well, I'd kind of like to get the program started by um, let's I just ask a few questions, kind of let people know a little bit more about what's going on with solar energy, where we can get it, about the amendments coming up that are real important so that people are aware of what they're voting for. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what does 350 Pensacola do, Christian? Yeah, we work on, on issues of climate change and raising awareness about that. So, um, you know, scientists have been studying climate change since all the way back in really the 1800s. And when we talk about climate change now, we're talking about um, the overwhelming, you know, uh, science-based opinion of the world scientists that um, the planet is warming, um, the planet is changing, and that most of that change is, being, is due to human activities. And that's mainly the burning of fossil fuels, coal, oil, uh, and natural gas. And, you know, on a, on a very simple level, anybody who's kept a you know, a fish tank at home knows that you can get things out of balance pretty quickly on that. And you think about the earth as, as a closed system and, and, um, we are, we are putting things out of balance and all the science says this, um, from the burning of fossil fuels. And it is so critical that we rein in the use of fossil fuels and switch as quickly as possible to the use of clean energy. And when we say clean renewable energy, we're talking about wind, sun, biomass, geothermal, and water. Those are really the five forms. But mainly solar and wind are going to be the biggest things. And that transition is already underway, and we need to see it happen as fast as possible. That's great. So we we do a lot of work on promoting that transition and helping it happen um, sooner as opposed to later. Well, give me some examples of what 350 Pensacola has done. What kind of successes have you had in the uh, local community? We do a number of different events and festivals and things through the year. We do um, a Hands Across the Sand event where we go out on the beach every year, very popular, um, ever since the Deepwater Horizon oil spill in 2010, where we go out and have a little concert and walk out to the water's edge and hold hands in unison with thousands of people all over the world at that same time doing it who are protecting their um, their coastal areas from offshore drilling. 
Um, again, part of that transition, we've got to stop going out and trying to get this dirty oil and dirty coal and dirty natural gas and, and, uh, and get toward the clean sources. So we do that every year to raise awareness and say no to the dirty stuff and, and yes to the good clean stuff that's coming. Um, one of our biggest things is a clean energy fest. It's coming up in November this year. We're a foo-foo yeah. fest event. Yeah. I mean, I'm we so had our excited. first one last year. It is great fun. We have, and we'll have a tiny house on display electric cars including a tesla there um lots of solar panels from people like dan gardner and, and solar energy information about energy conservation there's going to be a clean energy entrepreneur area where people are pitching their ideas music food poetry all kinds of really cool stuff so we do things like that as well and then we have our most most months we have a speaker come in and and you know have a membership meeting and, and educate people about some other aspect of, of of climate change we really stick to science and facts and stick and stay away from the emotion and that's where we've been able to build Support for things like the city of Pensacola having a climate change task force that they're working on setting yeah, up to study fantastic. how how the city should be responding to this. This is being done in all the communities in South Florida. We're just a little behind. So we've had some nice successes and we've certainly raised awareness um, of the issue here in Pensacola by, again, sticking to science and sticking to facts and staying away from any of the emotion. Exactly. And that's so important. I know it's a little premature, but can you tell the community when the uh, Energy Fest is going to be held and where? Yeah, Saturday, November 5th in downtown Pensacola behind the T.T. Wentworth Museum. There's that big, beautiful grass space there. So we'll be in there and we'll be in the adjacent Bowden building as well. We'll have the poetry in there and the Future of Energy art show where artists are asked to envision a clean energy future. And we had some great artists that did that uh, last year and we're looking forward to that again this year. And it'll be in conjunction with or at the same time as the Greater Gulf Coast Arts Festival just a few blocks away in Seville Square. So there'll be a lot of people downtown and we know people will come over and just get really jazzed up about the, the electric cars and the solar panels and tiny oh, house yeah. and just fun stuff happening. So. I went last year. It was awesome. I just, I had a great time. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Plus it's a good time of the year. It's not so hot. So you got it. Well, why don't you explain to the community a little bit more how climate change and your connection to the clean energy, exactly how does climate change work with clean energy? What, what do they have to do with each other? Yeah. So, the, the, you know, the Earth's changing. The Earth's changing. Uh, climate is always changing. It goes back and forth over many, many thousands and millions of years due to um, change, slight changes in orbit of the Earth and the sun and sunspots and just long-term cycles. And the Earth's climate has always gone back and forth. Today, what we know is that the signature of man is overwhelmingly on the, this change because they can actually tell the carbon in the atmosphere coming from the burning of fossil fuels. And so the greenhouse effect we hear about, just like how a greenhouse warms up when the sun comes in, that's what makes that layer of carbon dioxide and methane that surrounds our planet is what makes a living planet. That is what keeps the temperature within this range that supports human life. So it absolutely makes um, life on Earth possible. What's happening now is we have increased the amount of those heat trapping, uh, heat trapping gases that surround the Earth, carbon dioxide mainly. So sunlight's coming in, and instead of being um, not as much of that heat is able to reflect out now, and it changes the balance of that. And so sure. the planet warms, the oceans warm, and there's a whole cascade of effects from that. So even as simple as something like you know the, a lot of the work that you do, Warmer water holds less oxygen. So if you have systems that are already stressed from pollution and now they hold even less oxygen, that's that's a very critical thing for aquatic life. Um, as the planet warms, you have lots of natural systems and, and plants and animals that have to migrate in order to stay in the conditions, the temperature range that they're used to. And if they're blocked by highways, if they're blocked by development um, or just even a natural feature, that a river or a mountain or something that can you know, those are issues as well. So there's critical environmental, you know, issues with, um, with, with, with climate change that we are, you know, are raising awareness about. And the major driver of climate change um, is the burning of fossil fuels. And so there was a time when coal, oil, natural gas, that's all we really knew. And it made sense to use those. 
it's absolutely totally irresponsible continue to, to continue to use those. And like I said, the transition is already underway. Um, it, it, most people wouldn't know this, but every year new electric um, electric plants are added in America, new electric capacity. And for the last couple of years, the vast majority of that new electric capacity, the generating plants that make electricity for America, the vast majority of that is coming from clean energy from the sun and wind. They're not building it out of, certainly not out of coal anymore and not even out of natural gas. They are on the way out. And the only question is how soon we've got to do everything we can to incentivize and push that forward to happen as fast as possible because we're in a race in terms of reducing our carbon emissions because of the, the very, very bad negative impact that scientists are warning us about. Right. I noticed that other countries are already way ahead of us as far as clean energy. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, look at that. I mean, Germany is getting, I mean, there was what, a day last year or something when they got most of their power from solar. Yeah. And they are much cloudier than we are. Um, and even in America, it's really shameful for Florida. Florida is a sunshine state. Florida is one of, I think, the top the top few states in the nation in terms of its solar um, uh, potential, the amount of sunlight that hits the state. We're number one in the east. And yet New Jersey has more installed solar energy than Florida. Crazy. Unbelievable. That's and it's, crazy. It's because the policies <laughs> in Florida by our government are restricting solar, especially solar for you to have on your business or on your home. Okay. And in other states, they actually encourage that and they incentivize that. And that's the reason you have cloudier states up north, like New Jersey and Massachusetts, with a lot more solar panels installed than we see here in, in Florida. That's crazy. How does, how does something like that happen? I mean, that's just that, that's unbelievable. That, that's going to bring me up to those amendments that are coming up on the ballot. You knew I was going to ask you about those. We have Amendment 4 and Amendment 1. And Dan, chime in if you'd like. Um, tell me your thoughts and processes on these facts. Unbiased information, either one of you can chime in. Um, let's talk about those amendments. Well, I think, I think Christian does a great job at, at uh, articulating our concerns and what we're looking at as, as an industry. And if you look at the challenges that face solar for Florida, and as, as Christian mentioned, we're one of four states. Um, so that, there's actually 46 states that allow for what we call PPAs or third-party selling of energy to individuals. <clears throat> Florida cannot do that. And that and you have, to, you have to ask that question, why do we not have some of the biggest players in the solar industry in Florida, which is the Sunshine State? Um, and it's all about policy. It's all about the fact that uh, you can't attract uh, – well, let's, let's, let's back up. Let's, let's look at who can afford solar. Well, it's 10%. It's the most affluent of the population can actually purchase the system, install it on their home. So Florida has basically set up a policy where basically 90% of the population is carved out because they don't have the big check that they can write to own their own system. And the industry as a whole wants to uh, uh, appeal to that population because, let's face it, who needs lower-cost energy more than anybody else? Is it the affluent? No, it's the other 90% of the population. So that's the group that we've got to try to cater to and try to get to. And the only way you can do that is you've got to set up some financial mechanisms that allow these people to put solar on with no money down. And then you can sell that energy based on what it produces at a lower cost than what it, you're buying from the utility today. Basically, it's competition. You're opening up the door mm-hmm. to competition. And I think most of us are old enough to remember the phone industry when it went through that. Look at all the innovation that came out of the telephone industry. You know, those oh, used sure. to... Those used to be called telephone poles out there, right? Remember oh, yeah, that? or phone okay. booths. We even had phone booths. That's and, right. I and, mean, things <clears throat> have changed dramatically. Yeah, and, and if you look at everything that came out of that industry, all the innovation, I mean, you know, we're in here sitting in an entrepreneurship industry building here, and, and you think about what came out of the phone industry when it became deregulated and allowed all that competition. 
And, and the arguments, the same arguments were made. Well, if only the wealthy can afford it, then the poor people are going to be left paying higher bills because fewer people are going to be on the telephone lines that are out there. Let me tell you, would you say 99% of the population probably has cell phones today? And I don't remember. I'm one of the, I think I'm one of the last ones to actually remove my landline. You know, I don't remember exactly. it being a thousand dollar bill because 90% of the population was off of. So, and you hear that argument often about the utility industry as it's moving, as more and more people get onto the solar market. Well, that means fewer people are on the grid. That means fewer people are funding the uh, solar, uh, the uh, conventional energy, the fossil fuel energy out there. So, therefore, the poor are going to have to pay this uh, enormous uh, amount. And, and so when you talk about these amendments, even mm-hmm. though they look like friendly amend- amendments because they say, hey, we love solar, and you got to ask that question, why would a utility company back an amendment about solar? Well, you know, if I'm, I'm a business person, so I understand I'm not going to invite my competition in and just say, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to help you grow and take business away from me. So you have to ask the question, why is Amendment 1 being pushed by the utilities? And it's designed to actually take what is uh, currently a policy in place but actually make it constitutional law. So it's to try to put status quo, what we have today, into law. And so it sounds like it's for solar, but the reality is it promotes solar in the uh, status that it is today, and that is that we cannot do third-party type arrangements. We can't sell a clean, affordable energy to you, and I can't bring it to 90% of the population. So really policy today only caters to the most affluent. And we've got to change that. That's that's really what has to be affected here. And so, you know, poli- Amendment 1 needs to be a no-type vote because we do not want to maintain status quo here. Whereas Amendment 4 is, is another piece that we do support because it is going to open up for some additional investments. It mainly deals with the commercial markets and and uh, which is an area that needs to grow. You know, we need to see these small businesses and large companies here have an, have an option to uh, and be incentivized to put this renewable, cheaper, uh, clean energy in, into effect. So, so if you were to break that down into simple <clears throat> terms, Dan, you know, you've got somebody who, you know, the average Pensacola person living here, um, you know, average income, family, two kids, a dog, and they're they hate their power bill. It's so high. They hate the fact that we're contributing to a larger carbon footprint. What do you say to that voter? Um, why they should choose one amendment over the other to them. What would that? What would be most important to them personally? Absolutely. And, and actually, the amendment that that we're looking for is one that's go- hopefully going to come out in the future. Um, because there was this big battle of these two amendments that the one made it to the ballot, and that's the one that's supported by the utilities. Hmm. Let's face it, we were outfunded. That's what it comes down to. Um, so, so you have the utility initiative did get uh, approved, and it's on the amendment to be voted on. We want that to be a no because that puts into law status quo. That means we can't do these power purchase agreements, which means I can't come to that individual you just talked about and said, you know what, I understand you don't have a $20,000 check to write me today to build your own system. I've got a different option for you. I will actually install it on your home for free today. You will pay me for the energy. I'm actually becoming like a utility for the most part. Ah. I'm going to bill you for those renewable energy. And by the way, it's going to be less than what you're paying the utility today. Um, if we open up that door, you're going to find that not only will our company expand. Now we're talking about jobs, and uh, you know, the, the, and when you look at the jobs that are paid, I'm, I'm kind of a, uh, going off on a tangent here. But um, 
but that's important because you got to recognize the job potential that this brings. So I would tell that individual that um, vote no on Amendment One. Look at we've got a um, we've got a petition still out there because we're trying to get our ballot on. Uh, you know, I think in two years is that right, Christian? To have a more rigorous open door type uh, uh, amendment to put on the books that would allow for all of the, you, you know. This bill is going to bring in some big players. You know, competition. That's okay. I didn't. I didn't get in this. My. I'm more passionate about what Christian had just talked about. And that's really what led me to be a piece of this. Uh, uh, this environmental uh, issue that we have going on, and solar was a big part of that. And I saw that as an opportunity. We need this other amendment that's coming out in two years. Um, we hope to have it on on the ballot. That's the one we want to vote yes on. We don't need status quo becoming state law here. That's just going to slow things down. It's, as we all know, if you get something into Constitution becomes law, it's a lot harder to change and a lot harder right. to reverse that. Well, how do people get a, uh, a hold of this um, um, petition? Uh, Christian, what's what's probably the best way to do that? I know it's online. It's with uh, uh, Floridians for us. Uh, Floridian, Floridians for Solar Choice. Um, you can go online and read on there. And, and, and that's the amendment that um, they're still getting signatures for, for for 2018, I guess, that Dan that's talks correct. about. And that's the good mm-hmm. amendment that would actually open up the solar market to true competition. Um, so that's the best way to find that is solar solar choice. The one that's on the amendment in, or the, the amendment on the ballot in November is that's Amendment One. So that's the one right. we're saying you know vote no for that. That would maintain the status quo and keep out the competition in the free market. It's August. It's actually earlier. It's this month when we're voting mm-hmm. um, that we're going to see Amendment Four, and that's the one that that came out of the, actually the legislature. And that's a that's a yeah, an easy yes on that. And in fact, nobody's opposed to that. Nobody's publicly opposed to it. And that gives a um, um, property tax. I guess exemption on you know because when you add solar system to your house, it's worth more because of that. You're making once right. it's installed, it's free energy for your house, right. and that's set in the assessed value. Your house is now worth more. So this is going to um, take uh, take away any taxation of that of that extra value, and that actually came from the legislature. So um, that's a very good thing. And so so, so when you look at the financial model, and you're talking right, to the a financial business, model. Yeah. So that's the difference. Yeah. Well, what is uh, the power companies? Uh, involvement in Amendment One. What is their attachment to this? Well, you know, again, if you if you realize that only ten percent of the population, the most affluent, can actually do solar here, you're not too concerned about it, right? So you, you, you purchase it from, say, for example, Gulf Power. I'm going to purchase this system, and then Gulf Power would then oh, oh receive as, some benefits to, in well, some sort. Well, or? no. No, I mean I mean the whole idea of solar is to become less dependent on the utility. To basically cut that right. that string. But how do the know? utilities what's their involvement? Why are they why did they help put amendment 1 on the ballot? They they want to continue to be the only entity by law that can sell you power. Any any business person knows that a competitive marketplace when you've got to compete with everybody, it 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 forces you to bring your price down. It forces you to improve your quality. It forces you to get better. Mm-hmm. These industries, these these utility companies are monopoly utilities. It's a unique model, you know, in America um, that, that developed over the years. And and to allow the, the solar leasing type model that Dan talks about would bring in competition that they don't have right now. And so it, it simply decreases the profitability of these large investor-owned utilities. They're going to make less money because they have to compete in an open mm-hmm. marketplace. And that's the reason you have free market advocates, you have Tea Party groups who have actually aligned with environmental groups to support um, things like the amendment we hope to get right. in a couple of years. And this actually happened in Georgia a couple of years ago. Georgia was one of the states that didn't allow those third-party sales of electricity, and it was the Tea Party groups and the free market advocates and the environmentalists all came together, and they got Georgia to pass that and changed it. 
And that's the model for what is probably eventually going to happen in Florida. It's just a matter of, of when. Americans love a free marketplace. And that is something, I mean, here we are, in the, as Dan said, in the Center for Entrepreneurship. And that's something that has driven the economy in America. It has driven innovation. And right now, that innovation, that entrepreneurship is absolutely stifled in Florida because of these types of policies that are just really designed to protect the the um, the, the the profitability of, of investor-owned utilities. The they don't want to have to compete with everybody else. And right. they're going to compete just fine. I mean, it's just, I don't, I'm not sure quite sure what they're afraid of. They're very large. They have a lot, I mean, they've got a lot of things in place. They're going to compete just fine. And they also have new things coming on board, such as the growth in um, electric transportation. So our transportation system is really moving away from um, um, the use of, of, uh, of gasoline, of, of oil, petroleum, and more toward an electric system. And so there's going to be a lot of benefit to utility companies from that. There's a lot more people plugging in their cars now than filling up at the station, which is why we're going to have you know electric cars at the Clean Energy Fest. So right. um, you know, any business that can't adapt is a business that's frankly, can become obsolete and, and go away. And we've got examples of businesses that go away over the years. You know, they just don't model that don't make sense anymore. And so the utilities are going to have to be flexible and are going to have to adapt. And I think if they can do that, they'll, they'll do just fine. But it's going to change. The, their business model is going to have to change. And right now we are stifling the entrepreneurship and innovation that should be bringing Florida forward. So what Amendment 1 does, then, to answer your question, is is allows them to maintain status quo. It allows them to basically... Since they're the only ones who can sell power, they want to be the ones to bring solar into the market ah, but, there and we then go. be able to bill you for the renewable energy. In fact, they've, um, they've got programs out there right now. And if you look at it, you're actually paying more for solar energy if you buy it from them. Than, I see. Than see, that's, so, the, that's the catch right there because uh, why would the utilities sponsor a bill if there's not a benefit in it for them outside of you not being able to afford the solar energy, but that's basically how it works. Uh, if they have packages and programs out there, it's obviously to keep them big and powerful and at the same time make more money off of you, and it's really not going to be the same benefit. And, and it allows them to say, we support solar, but we want to be the ones bringing it in and transitioning right. it in I here. Gotcha. We can control it. So Amazing, amazing. Well, Christian, how soon do you think that the transition can take place with with all of the clean energy programs out there. There's actually a really great program that I encourage everybody to look up online called the Solutions Project. So if you just okay. simply Google the Solutions Project, it's based on data from Stanford University. So it's a group of scientists and others who put together a scenario for the nation and for every state in the nation, how every state can be totally um, using clean energy only by the year 2050. And so for each state, it's different. There are states out west that get a lot more wind, and they would have more wind energy. Here in Florida, what the mix shows is that we can transition if we don't have any more of these restrictive policies like we have now, and we truly open up the marketplace. By 2050 in Florida, you can see all clean energy, most of it coming from the sun, some of it coming from like big power plant. You know, and by the way, a solar power plant is what? It's a, typically a field of solar panels, okay? So some of, there would be some of that. There'd be solar on rooftops. Um, there'd be a little bit of wind energy in Florida, mainly offshore, but that's a small part of it. Um, maybe a tiny bit of, of tidal energy, but mainly for Florida, it's going to be solar in the future. But they've actually laid out the scenario, the path of how we can be totally on clean, renewable energy by the year 2050. And I mean, this is incredibly important, not only from the clean um, or from the carbon standpoint and the climate change standpoint, but I look at you and Coast Keeper and what you do. Our waterways are absolutely contaminated all over the world from the impacts of fossil fuels, from the extraction and mining of you know coal, oil, natural gas, and all the things that spill and drip and drop out of that, from our transportation system, 
we can go in the bay right here and find that most of the predatory fish have fish advisories against consuming them above a certain amount because they have mercury in them, mercury that comes from coal-fired power plants. Okay, Correct. The sediments in the bottom of every of all the bayous here in Pensacola and every urban waterway in the nation are contaminated with all the stuff that comes off cars. So it's it's the oil that drips off cars. It's the copper from the brake linings every time I, uh, that's applied. I mean, all of these things that go back to mainly to the use of fossil fuels, the, the impacts are just pervasive. So it's absolutely not only just the climate issues, but it's just if we go to clean energy, Oh my goodness! The air smells and tastes better. It's clean like it's supposed to be. The water is clean, um, not contaminated. I mean, the impacts are just absolutely the positive impacts just will gener- oh, yeah. generate through our society. So you're saying society. it's going to take us another approximately 34 years if we drop what we're doing now and completely change and move as fast as we can. It's still going to take us another 34 years. To oh yeah, and I, and I think the 2050 number is based on like starting to really get aggressive about it and move it forward. So yeah. it's still debatable if that. I mean, they basically showed it can be done by 2050, but it, it 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 won't be done by 2050 if we continue to have policies that that hold that back. Well, what do you suggest, both of you? I can ask both of you. What do you suggest that the public do? Um, what can we do even as a community to begin the processes of converting besides just the amendments itself? What other things can we do to help promote clean energy? You know, I hate, hate to use the old cliches, but you, right now, since policy is a big, big factor, we really do have to get involved. And, and, and I want to, I think I want to express that you really have to look behind most amendments that are out there because I tell you marketing is a is an amazing thing at making you think something's great and then you discover that it's a wolf in sheep's clothing we we've, we've heard that term in fact I think one of the dissenting uh, uh, judges that looked at this uh, amendment that the utilities are backing that's the term she used she said this is really a a wolf in sheep's clothing so so you can't just look at something and see it for the surface value. You really have to ask the questions. And and I think you touched on it, or you said, why would a utility back an amendment that promotes their competitor? Well, they want it unless there's a benefit for them. So we have to really pay attention to what we're looking at and what we're reading and understand that uh, anytime you're trying to uh, uh, bust a market open and, and, and allow entrepreneurship and this creativity coming, you're going to get resistance. You're going to get a lot of fighting. Oh, that's sure. going to happen, you know. So, so the battlegrounds have been laid, for lack of a better term. And I think, I think most are. You, know, you got folks like Christian who are, are out there leading, leading the charge and doing it in a, in a very positive. And, and I love to hear him talk and, and his wealth of knowledge that he has out there. So, I, I, I would encourage the individuals to one, anytime they they hear about something and, and understand it, research it before you approve it because the only way it made it to the amendment was there was a lot of confusion out there people thought exactly. they were signing the one that we want to get out in two years from they thought they were signing that because yeah, they skim it and they read it real, oh solar oh it's solar i'm gonna sign that yep. one and that's that's what happened so so you, we've really got to back up slow down realize that there is there is a real struggle going on right now and so you're going to see these these similar images but realize there is a wolf within within the mix they're trying to uh, uh, continue to keep things status quo so i would encourage people to to understand that get with their even on the local level i mean christian works closely with a lot of <clears throat> county and city uh, officials uh, whether it's your uh, commissioners or what have you we really have to get them to understand because they're getting a lot of pushes and, and typically they're you know we're all human we tend to always to, uh, go into the uh, direction of what's most important to us and and a lot of times we, we 
I always say we've got a lot of sand here and we spend too much time hiding our heads in it to face the realities that are out there. And Christian has touched on some big things. If we continue to delay, can you imagine how much harder it is going to become to transition? Whereas we've got 30 years now to do it. If we wait another 10 years, it'll probably take 50 years to accomplish what we've destroyed in that next 10 years. So and We'll be gone at that point, so it'll be left to our children and grandchildren to deal with that mess. Yes. So let's not become part of the political agenda because it always seems one side wants to grab it, then the other side's going to oppose it. And Christian touched on this solar concept. You saw such a wide range of individuals coming, the League of Women Voters, the I mean, you touched on them all. It was a very diverse. This is one area where everybody had an agreement that that it made sense. Now, there's a lot of people that have been told, oh, they've bought into this this uh, argument that uh, kind of a negative argument, and, and they bought into it. They just don't understand it fully, and and we need to avoid doing that. I understand this is something that really could happen. Let's not wait till a disaster happens before we act. You know, let's do right. something now. Let's be proactive, and this is a. And so, I would encourage people to be proactive in trying to promote the solar and in the competition among the uh, energy industry right now. Very good. Well, Dan, uh, is solar energy the best option for the state of Florida? And how long do you propose that solar energy is going to be able to last? How long do, are the grids good for? I mean, are they do they have to be replaced, or is there maintenance involved? I mean, tell me a little bit about about this program sure absolutely and, and and what you've got to do is you've got to you've got to have that vision long term you know who would have envisioned and i'm holding a cell phone in my hand i forget we're not on tv so i can't just display this <laughs> who would have envisioned that i'm no longer connected to a telephone wire that i've got something that i can hold in my hand if you look at the industry today and we can do this today it's, it's not cost effective because it's not mass produced but there's going to come a time when every individual home can basically be isolated from the grid and have its own power plant on the home, and you control it. You basically manage your power source right there. You store the energy for nighttime usage. That's why we're seeing the investments in the battery technology, not just battery, but storage technology as a whole. Um, so you've got to envision doing away with those telephone poles and actually the then what you end up having is you have these this industry of people who just come by like your lawn maintenance and maintain your system for you. I mean, that's truly where we can go with this industry. If we allow it to grow, allow the entrepreneurship spirit to come out, look at the innovation with electric cars. I mean, we create this whole infrastructure that is using a fuel source. To answer your other question, how long do the solar panels on that? The solar panels right now have 25-year warranties on them. They're expected to last 30, 40, 50 years. And that's at mm-hmm. 80% of their original production. So these things can be out there for a long time, which means if you put the numbers to it, when you think about, hey, I'm no longer paying this utility bill for that period of time, I mean, that is huge as far as the cost savings overall and the economic benefits to that. And then if you look at all the entrepreneurial uh, side effects of this, the industries that will grow as a result of this. I mean, it's it's, it's phenomenal on what we can do uh, with, with the uh, renewable energy sector. In Florida, our number one resource from a renewable standpoint is the sun, and, and that's why you've got to look at each state. That's why there are certain states that wind is the ideal thing. Um, as Christian meant, we don't have a strong wind presence here. Most people who live out on points and stuff think it, we do, and, and understandably they, they feel it quite a bit. But for wind energies or five, you've got to have a certain miles per hour on average, and we don't have that here mm. in Florida. So, so our our big resource is going to be the uh, the sun, 
And, um, you know, I think that's what we've got to capitalize. Now, you're going to have some people that say, hey, you know, let's do some fracking because there's another resource out there. Mm-hmm. But right now, that's still a limited resource. We've got to understand that we're on an island. We really are. The world is an island. And we, and, and the more we consume these, uh, these resources that are on this island, the fewer there is. And it, it's not a long-term solution. Right. As far as the sun is, we know that's long term. And let's face it, when the sun stops shining, we don't care anyway. You know, right. we're, we're all doomed. That's so. the difference between consumable and renewable. There you so, go. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, so what's next for your company, Compass Solar Energy? Where are you going from here? Well, you know, a, a lot of our uh, a lot of our time is unfortunately spending outside of the state where where solar seems to be booming. You know, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because my goal I grew up here in Pensacola, so my heart's here. I, you know, I'm one of those that had to leave to find uh, a job that I, you know, because I was ambitious, you know, and I didn't want to work in the, um, you know, to cater to the uh, 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 tourist industry. You know, I didn't want one of those jobs. I wanted a job that would, you know, like the auto industry or the, the big industries. I wanted to, you know, pursue that. So one of my goals was to come back and, and start a company that I thought, you know, I could see that renewables was a big thing. It was going to take off. Unfortunately, I didn't see where Florida stood as a state on its policy and that it would basically hinder a lot of the growth that we expected. Um, so our, we're going to continue. We're here. We're here long term. We've, we've, we've made an investment. I've got two other partners. We're planning on being here long term. We're going to continue to work with folks like Christian and 350 Pensacola and, and uh, you know, the populace out there to get uh, changes made and continue to grow things right here. I mean, man, this is the fastest growing industry out there in Florida who has all this sun should have been out in the forefront, creating these jobs, just seeing opportunities. I've got kids, and so my heart, I'd love for my kids to stay here and find a good job and what have you. But, I mean, we're we're limited on the industry that we have here. And I thought solar was just a huge opportunity, and that's what led me to leave my 20-year career of healthcare to to pursue, you know, this this industry here. So so I'm in it long-term. I, you know, Compass Solar, we're, we're here long-term. We're going to continue to work with businesses and individuals and uh, 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 try to change policy and make the, this industry grow, create jobs here, and, um, you know, just yeah, continue to clean things up. very important. Uh, I agree with both of you wholeheartedly. We just don't have the infrastructure here for a lot of industry, and we need to bring something to create better jobs, better than minimum wage jobs and what a better way to do that than promoting renewable energy and helping us save money as well. So how do folks get in contact with you, Dan, if they're interested in getting some uh, solar panels? Absolutely. They, they can find it, of course, on Facebook, Compass Solar Energy. And uh, we our website is www.compasssolarenergy.com. And, uh, we're, you know, you just type in uh, Pensacola Solar Energy, and we're probably going to be five of the listings that pop up there. So um, got a wealth of information out on our website there, and uh, you know, can, can always uh, reach us by phone uh, as well. So, do you come out to people's homes and give consultations? How does that work exactly? Say, if I were to call you this afternoon and say I, I'm interested in getting some solar panels, how does that process work so people can kind of understand? Sure, that? and, and that's a good question because there is a lot of education that still goes into. It. You're talking about, hey, how, how exactly does this work? You're putting something on my house. It's capturing photons. It's creating this electricity. The science behind it. And so part of what we do is we spend a lot of time with them on the phone going over the options that we have, which, you know, again, it's limited, but we hope to be able to change that. Um, but um, we do. We come out. We, we do an assessment on their, their, their roof. We're looking at everything as far as do they have the uh, capacity, do they have great sun exposure on, on certain areas. It doesn't have to be on the roof. We, we build these wonderful 
wonderful looking pergolas and you know they can be decorative and then you create the panels to be the shade structure so you can sit under it and, nice. and have your barbecue or what have you um so there's a lot of different ways creative ways to do this and um so we do come out we kind of assess what their energy usage is we set up a, a look at you know ha- talk with them about what their budgets are what how much of their energy would they like to purchase that's renewable and size a system accordingly to do that and the nice thing about it is you don't have to go 100%. You can start out smaller and, and over the years add to it. Uh, that's the beauty of solar. And it's the, you know, it's, you're putting something there that's going to uh, supply energy for many generations. If you think about the fact that we're typically in our homes for five years at a time or something. So you're, you're talking about all the families that are going to benefit from a solar installation. Plus, as Christian mentioned, uh, you know, there is the value that's added to your home. And that's a recent thing that has happened here. They do find that the uh, uh, appraisal value of your home and the sale ability of your home increases uh, to more than what the original cost of the solar system was. That's what they've seen on homes that sold here in northwest Florida. So That's fantastic. Um, what about tax breaks or you do have the you, right now you have, have the thirty percent you do have a thirty percent okay. tax credit that did get renewed and it's uh it's actually uh, designed to taper off over the next couple of years so for the next three years here it's a thirty percent tax credit so that means thirty cents on the dollar comes back to you through a a, a tax uh, and it is a tax credit not a deduction so that's money back right. in your pocket so. okay. um and and most of the systems that we're seeing when we crunch the numbers and look at it. Uh, after you get your 30%, in the next eight years, you will have recouped all your money back. That means you've got 25-year warranty on a panel. So that means another 12 years of the warranty period, if I did my math right, that you're still under warranty and you're getting free energy. And That's then beyond amazing. that, as we know, it's going to last longer than 25 years. So now you you basically have paid eight years of energy up front to get free energy for the rest of that's amazing. The and then system. how would um, how are these amendments coming up in two years? How is that going to mm-hmm. help um, the consumer with getting the solar energy again? Just, just re- sure. recap that. Yeah, and, and that's important because then I can begin to approach the people who don't have the, the check to write for the entire system. Now I can begin to approach everybody and say, look, I'm offering you something that's going to reduce the amount you're paying for energy. I'm basically a competition out. You found somebody that's providing you with it good quality clean energy at a lower cost than what you're paying today and i can do that with you having to pay no all you're doing is the check you used to write to the utility you're sending a portion of that to me now to get the same amount of energy wow that's amazing so you know that i think this is a great way to promote clean energy and renewable energy is to definitely vote uh for amendment four and no for one sounds pretty um pretty plain and simple to me as, as a basic consumer, uh, not knowing as much about clean energy as I do other things. So uh, I really appreciate your information, Dan and, and Christian. How do people get a hold of you or they want to get involved in the Clean Energy Fest or anything else you want to talk about, any special guests coming um, that you'd like to talk about? Uh, and how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, I mean, just on Facebook, just type in 350 Pensacola. That's probably the easiest thing, and it keeps folks up up to date with all of our you know monthly meetings events and things one of the things i didn't mention before was we have a um goldman prize winning uh, poet that's one of the top environmental awards in the nation um a poet named uh hilton kelly who's coming to the clean energy fest and going to be doing some some work um before and after the fest and around that but he's really been great about um trying to use you know the the spoken word the written word poetry 
to raise awareness about issues affecting um, a lot of times minority communities that live adjacent to industrial facilities and, the, and the, a lot of the environmental injustices that that's created. And so um, he uses his voice of eloquent, eloquence to, um, you know, to raise those issues. So we're going to we're going to fortunate to be able to bring Hilton in at the Clean Energy Fest to share some of his poetry. He's so eloquent, so beautifully spoken. His work is amazing. We hope that that will help to to um, raise awareness, you know, here in this area about some of those issues and, um, um, you know, help us uh, help us improve our own poetry and writing and whatever, because I know he'll do a workshop along those lines. So that's pretty cool that he's, he's that coming. That is, yeah. kind of bringing yeah, we're looking forward to that. kind of the environment and the arts together as one. That sounds real exciting. It's going to be over a couple of days. So if you can't make one day, come to the other. And, uh, well, thank you both for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed having you both. I'm understanding this process a lot better now. And uh, I might be giving you a call, Dan. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thanks for tuning in to Pure H2O Radio here with Laurie Murphy, sponsored by Emerald Coast Keeper. Thank you so much, folks. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.